This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 3rd of February 2023, and finally today we learn all about the brand new Victor Reader Stream 3rd generation. It's real! You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott. Yeah, hello you. Uh, It is me and just me today with you. It's nice and cosy this, isn't it? Just relaxing, chilling out. It's a Friday as well, which is nice. Uh, We've got lots to talk about on the show today. Uh, We're going to get to all the big news. Uh, Of course, the big interview of the day is with Matthew Paquette. He is from Humanware, based in uh, Toronto. That is where uh, Matthew is based. He's going to be joining us to talk all about the new Victor Reader stream, finally getting all the information about this product that we've been now waiting to hear about for so long. The rumour started at CSUN last year. In fact, no, actually the year before, wasn't it? The year before. That's right. Uh, That was when the rumour began. Uh, Was that 2021? And since then, we've had nothing. But finally, it is out. The news is out. And we're going to get all the details for you. Uh, thanks to those of you who have been sending in questions already. Uh, I know you kind of had the intuition that the interview may have already happened. So <laughs> as a result, I couldn't include all of your questions. But you may find that I think the questions you've sent are represented in the interview. So we can always go back and ask more questions to Humanware. But I think a lot of the questions you've asked uh, by email already uh, will appear in that interview. But uh, you can tell me your thoughts. I'll be really intrigued to hear what you've got to say about this interview when it uh, when it airs later on in the show. Uh, first, though, I want to mention JAWS because uh, there is a bit of a an issue at the moment. You might have noticed this and you might have thought there's something wrong. Uh, when you open up JAWS on your PC, you might be asked to uh, reactivate your license or you may just be placed into 40-minute mode. This is a problem that JAWS has and it is being addressed Uh, And in fact, it is simply resolved. I can tell you very simply resolved. If you're on the home user license, you can use your activator key, which is essentially that little file that you download from the Freedom Scientific website. You can just run that again, and it will reactivate the software for you. Uh, Or you can put your license code back in if you've got that. Uh, You will have to reactivate the software if it asks you to do it. It hasn't done it with me. I haven't had the issue. Mind you, in saying that, I don't turn my PC off. So maybe it's about... You know, if I turn my PC off and I restart it, maybe it'll do it then. But it hasn't done it yet. So, uh, you know, just just be aware of that. It did happen to a friend of mine this morning. And a big thanks to Rebecca Skipper for sending me a message privately on Twitter telling me about all this and uh, the big problem and, of course, how to solve it as well. So big uh, props to Rebecca Skipper for keeping us all in the loop on that one. Now, it's also a big day for uh, disabled Canadians, uh, blind Canadians as well, I guess, uh, because yesterday, February 2nd, the long-awaited Canada Disability Benefit passed third reading and was unanimously adopted in the House of Commons. Now, here's some history on this for those who've not been following along. The Liberal government introduced Bill C-35 in June 2021, during the last parliament. The bill received first reading, but then died off when the 2021 federal election was called. And it was then reintroduced and was proposed to create a monthly benefit payment for working-age Canadians with disabilities. Now, critics say it was exactly the same bill that died back in 2021. However, clearly this time around, it's it's got a lot more support. Now, Carla Qualtro is the Minister for Employment, uh, Workforce Development and Disability Inclusion. She was the one to reintroduce the bill to the House. And speaking ahead of the passing yesterday, she said that it was an important step forward in providing appropriate financial support to disabled Canadians. This is what she had to say in Parliament yesterday. Madam Speaker, when I stood in this House to debate this bill at second reading, I declared that in no Canada, that in Canada, no person with a disability should live in poverty. There are more than 6.2 million people who identify as having a disability in Canada. That's one in five Canadians. The disability community is diverse and talented and innovative. We are your family members, your friends, your neighbours and your co-workers. Yet despite everything that the disability community has to offer our great country, the hard truth is that working-age persons with disability in Canada are two times more likely to live in poverty than persons without disabilities. The situation is even more precarious for persons with severe disabilities, women, Indigenous people, 
LGBTQ2S+, and racialized Canadians with disabilities. This is compounded by the fact that persons with disabilities face higher costs of living to begin with, costs that make it harder for any person with a disability to save for their future. This poverty has its, its roots in the historic and ongoing discrimination, bias, and exclusion faced by persons with disabilities in our country. Another hard truth? Our systems, laws, policies, and programs were not built with persons with disabilities in mind, nor were they built with persons with disabilities. For many persons with disabilities, the first time they experience financial security is when they turn age 65. Why? Because at age 65, they start receiving OAS and GIS benefits. This is unacceptable, especially in Canada. Madam Speaker, this is the backdrop for Bill C-22. C-22 is about poverty reduction. It's about financial security. Now, it's important to note that the bill doesn't state the actual monetary value of the benefit, but what it does do is give the government scope to set most of the benefit's design elements, including the conditions that must be met to receive it, then, of course, the monetary value of the benefit itself, and how that would be indexed to inflation. Now, Carla Quattro did not reveal the monetary value of the benefit. She did say, though, that the bill has been designed to lift its recipients to an income level similar to that provided by the Guaranteed Income Supplement, which ensures someone receiving the benefit would get around $19,000 in benefits per year. She also said that the benefit is being crafted to top up existing provincial benefits and not to replace them. So Bill C-22 now moves to the Senate for consideration, bringing with it the cornerstone of the government's Disability Inclusion Action Plan, one step closer to becoming a reality. A really, really positive step forward and a big day for disabled Canadians everywhere. I'm sure you will agree. Share your feedback on all of this uh, across AMI-audio and AMI-tv. Feedback at doubletaponair.com is how you can get in touch with us here. You can also call and leave a voicemail on any subject we talk about on the show, one 803 4567 And of course, you can follow AMI-audio on Twitter at AMI-audio and you can find us all at ami.ca. Right, let's get to some of your comments and lots coming in, of course, following the news of Kay's problem yesterday with the Blind Shell Classic 2 and that uh, issue she was telling us about with her speakerphone. Darren, I thought we'd come back with an answer. Here he is. Hello, this is Darren Platts from Bexley. Just about the Blind Shell Classic 2 loudspeaker uh, uh, problem that Kay was having, I believe that's what her name is. I've tested it and spoken to my dealer in the UK, which is Cobalt Systems. Um, it sounded, when I did a loudspeaker call to the tech guy, it sounded absolutely fine. What he told me was there was an update just before Christmas, I think it was, which addressed should have addressed that speaker problem. So it may be that you haven't updated your system software so if you go into settings and look for system updates, press OK, and it's all OK from then on, you just follow the prompts and it should update, no problem. If you have updated and you're still having problems, then I think it's a, a matter for your dealer who you bought it from. If you have updated the system software and you're still having trouble, speak to your dealer put it on loudspeaker so he or she can hear if there's a problem. If there is, then they they need to take it from there because when I tried it, it was absolutely fine. In fact, it's one that it sounded pretty good. So either there's a fault with your hardware or you there's the software needs updating on your blind shell. If you have any trouble updating, speak to your dealer and they should be able to help you with that. Looking forward to more double taps. Thank you very much. Bye. There you go. I thought Darren might have an answer, uh, or at least close to an answer. Some good advice there, though, Darren. Thank you. And Kay, let us know how you got on, because it's, it's important for us all to know, in case there is an issue here that needs to be uh, you know, talked about more broadly, or whether it is, in fact, just an issue with your device on its own. Do keep us up to date. Uh, thank you so much, Darren, for getting back in touch. Now, uh, let's get another of your voicemails in. Good morning, Stephen. Hi. This is me. I just would like to let you know a quick little fact about the all-terrain cane that you recently spoke about with mm -hmm. David from Aware Wolf Gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think he left out a very major thing that he didn't tell you. Mm. I've spoken to David. I ordered two myself. And that is the inside of the cane where the bungee cord is on the canes right now. There's no bungee cord. Only, oh. I believe, at the two ends, there's a small loop. And in the middle, it's a cable. A steel cable, I believe. So I believe that's a lot better than the bungee cord. All right. Have a good day. Well, thank you very much. That is good to know. I didn't know that. And, and to be honest, I wouldn't have even thought about that because I just thought that's how canes were made. That's how they were able to, to function, right? So they could fold down. They would need some kind of cord. But obviously that cord, as we all know, uh, it can break. It's funny, though. I must admit, as a kid, maybe it's just because I was a kid, but I used to break my canes all the time. I mean, they're forever getting broken. And those little, that little bungee cord would always snap. Uh, I don't seem to have that problem anymore. Maybe I'm just not as rough with it. Maybe I was a kid and, I, you know, kids are all terrible, aren't they? Um, right. <laughs> I meant me as a child. I meant me. I was terrible. Uh, okay, let's get another message in. Uh, this is an email, actually. This is from Ian, who got in touch. Laura, of course, as always, reads our email. Back to Sean. I have to wonder if the timing of his injury and the talk about the Victor Reader Stream 3 are somehow related. Could it be that he was about to leak some breaking news about the new reader and the Hunanware Mafia felt the need to break him? Or is it that Stephen felt the need to motivate Sean to finally do that review of the ARX headset? Speaking of Stephen, I think you were a bit confused about the original Victor Reader Stream. I have both the first and second generation and I would not describe the first generation as having a rubberized case. However, the second generation came with a silicon cover. Perhaps that is what you were thinking of? Best regards, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Um, well, I actually know that it did have a rubberized, not, not a cover, no, it wasn't a cover. The unit itself was plastic, but the material that sat behind the plastic buttons or around the plastic buttons was rubbery. It was a rubberized texture. Don't know what that was. It was different to the rest of the unit. Um, they seem to have inverted that this time round with the new rubberized buttons. We'll hear more about that from uh, Matthew a bit later. Um, okay, let's get another uh, voicemail in, and this one comes from Cece. G'day, folks. This is Cece on the line from Montreal. And no, this does not concern the Freestyle Libre system. <laughs> You're a correspondent. I heard about a company called Eleven Labs, spelled E L E V E N L A B S. 11labs.io that are doing AI voices that sound similar to the new voices that Apple is using for their audiobooks. This company apparently can generate a text-to-speech voice with samples. So perhaps Mr. F, who has a great deal of access to Stephen and to Sean, could plug your voices in and then simply write all of the text that he wants and have it delivered in your lovely dulcet tones. <laughs> it would be great fun if somebody from your show who is far more has a far greater capacity for technology than I do to check out 11labs.io and see if you can make any sense of these new AI text-to-speech voices. Thanks. Uh, thank you, CC. Uh, I, I think thank you on that one. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you. Apparently, I'm going to be replaced by a robot. I do fear that is going to happen. Although I have said on this show before, I don't worry about it too much because they're really they're programming artificial intelligence at the moment, not artificial stupidity. So I think we're going to be okay. I just you know I have a hunch. Uh, okay. Um, right. Let's uh, let's try this thing. So actually, I did open up this website, and uh, yeah, you're right. Eleven labs.io spell it properly 11 at labs.io uh, and yes there is a way uh, you can actually not just listen to demonstrations and you know samples as you say of, of the actual voices you can even put your own text in and try it so let's do it okay let's just do a live test here right so I've just pasted in my I don't think it's got all my um, text here but I've pasted in uh, text. This is from my bio, I think, that is on the ami.ca website. Okay, so let's see how it sounds when I use the uh, 11labs.io to uh, play it back. Okay, let's hit play. Stephen Scott is a radio broadcaster with over 20 years of experience. 
Stephen's sight condition has meant that he has had to learn and adapt to new technologies throughout his lifetime, and as a bit of a geeky guy, he loves nothing more than telling everyone about the latest gadgets he's found. Wow. Okay, well, there you go. That was me just literally hitting play and just copying something in. Uh, there's different voices you can choose. That's a, a conversational voice. Um, you can get uh, more dynamic voices. Let's try the same text using a dynamic voice. Yeah, that sounds. Stephen Scott is a radio broadcaster with over 20 years of experience. Stephen's sight condition has meant that he has had to learn and adapt to new technologies throughout his lifetime. And as a bit of a geeky guy, he loves nothing more than telling everyone about the latest gadgets he's found. Well, that's actually quite terrifying how good that is. <laughs> wow, there you go. Uh, so that is what it sounds like. Uh, and there are uh, lots of samples here. Uh, they've got samples of storytelling, which, you know, obviously we know we've started to hear audiobook type AI voices or, or you know, these kind of TTS voices being used. Uh, but they're also allowing for news, for newsletters and blogs. I've got to say there's two ways to look at this, right? I think one thing to say is, of course, it's utterly terrifying to people who do the job I do. I think if you're working in news, you're a news reader. I think that this is the time to be scared. Because, I mean, just listen to this. This is a news reader, right? This is a news article being read in a dynamic news format, as they call it. Editor's Picks. The biggest opportunity in generative AI is language, not images. The buzz around generative AI today is deafening. Generative AI refers to artificial intelligence that can generate novel content rather than simply analyzing or acting on existing data. Let I me mean, just listen to that. I mean, you, you could listen to a story like that, a news article like that quite easily. And I, I think that's what's kind of terrifying for the people who create the news. But then on the flip side, imagine this being built into your smart speaker. This is what's reading your daily news. This is what's reading out whatever particular book you choose or newsletter you like. I mean, maybe there's a, a newsletter you get every week. I, I get, for example, talk, talk, I can never say it, Top Tech Tidbits, which is full of tech news in the assistive tech community, right? It's a great newsletter. I'd love to listen to it with that kind of voice. Because, you know, you, I mean, going back to the Victor Reader stream, we're going to be talking about, you know, being able to implement that kind of technology so you could just literally take that as an MP3 file and put it onto your device and just listen to it at your leisure or just have it available on a website that you can just, you know, instead of reading the news as most people will do on a screen, they can just listen to it. That is going to be huge. And it'll be as big as audiobooks. You know, we think how, how popular audiobooks have become in the mainstream world. This will follow that. This will absolutely follow on from that. I think it's probably because of audiobooks this will follow on naturally because people are getting used to listening to information rather than reading it with their eyes. And, of course, that has a huge benefit to us uh, who need audio content. You know, we don't all want to listen to eloquence on JAWS reading out at high speed, you know, battering through monotone, you know, all kinds of news and information. We want it to be read to us in a nice, pleasant way. And this can do that. Now, I will say, I think we're already there in a lot of ways because Microsoft Edge with read aloud mode, you know, that is brilliant. That is that is excellent. I mean, that to me is, is fantastic. This is another level because the next thing they're talking about on this website, and CC, thank you so much for pointing this out, but the, the other aspect of this is emotion. They want to bring in emotion. So this is through storytelling. They're saying, uh, here is an example uh, of an AI that can laugh. <laughs> Holy guacamole. This must be the best joke I've ever heard, Richard. Absolutely sublime. So funny. So, I mean, this is the bit that's scary because now it is starting to become capable of emotion. Now, when I say that, of course, it is programmed emotion. It's not actually finding something funny and then relaying that in its own voice in a way that it understands. It's being programmed. It's being told to do that. So, you know, I'm not worried in that sense that it's doing that, but it does show what the capability is. And imagine audiobooks that have got that emotion in them. You know, so no longer it's just a monotone voice, right? That's when things get interesting. I do think it's a time we get Red Sail back from My Life and Books to talk this out because, you know, we, we talked last time with Red all about the subject of Apple introducing AI for audiobooks and, and bringing in these kind of voices, but not with that kind of emotion. So that does change it up a little bit, doesn't it? Very interesting. Scary as well. 
<laughs> They're coming for our jobs. The robots are coming for our jobs. Uh, listen, let's uh, just get back into reality, please. Let's do that. Let's get back into reality next. Joining me, I'll have uh, Matthew Paquette from Humanware joining me uh, to talk all about the brand new Victor Reader Stream third generation. Thankfully, it's not a robot, and as far as I'm aware, it doesn't have AI in it, so I think it's safe to talk about uh, that coming up next here on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And let's get to the big story of the day, the release of the Humanware Victor Reader Stream 3rd Generation. All the details right now here on Double Tap. I am joined by Humanware's Matthew Paquette from Toronto. Uh, he joins us now to tell us all. Matthew, great to have you on the show. I'm so glad to be on. Yeah, me too, uh, because we've been really keen to talk to you guys about this brand new device, the Victor Reader Stream, third generation. It's finally here, and I can't see any information online about it, and it's not because I'm blind. Uh, I just can't <laughs> find anything about it. So tell us, first off, does it actually exist? It's not a myth, is it? Well, no, it's not a myth. I actually have one right here. Um, so um, it is it is a new device that's coming out soon. Uh, so we've announced it about a couple of weeks ago on a, a user list on groups.io. And then uh, a lot of buzz started generating from that. We also met with some of our partners, our dealers, our distributors uh, to inform them, give them information and whatnot. And uh, honestly, I've been doing the rounds. I've been on a few podcasts in the last week, and I'm happy to be on this one today. Well, I'm glad you are, because like I say, this is a very popular device, the Victor Reader yes. Stream. It's been popular for a very long time. And I remember uh, when I, I used to do a show in the UK called Tech Talk, and mm-hmm. we used to do the show every week, and I would occasionally get emails in about you know, lots of different things. And, and sometimes the conversation would just be taken way off track, and on one occasion, I remember someone talking about the fact that they just loved their Victor Reader. And it kind of spawned all these emails and and conversations about how wonderful this device was. And, you know, in, in a world of iPhones and Android phones and all of this smart technology, sometimes just keeping it simple, keeping yep. it ex- fully accessible is the winner. And I, I guess with the, and this is what I'm intrigued by, with the iteration of this and the evolution of this particular mm-hmm. Uh, new device uh, have you have you kept to those core principles of, of just keeping it simple keeping it to- totally accessible so honestly before we started doing any kind of work on the project the first uh, direction we had was we need to make it as intuitive and it needs to be someone who's used a stream 2 needs to be able to pick up a stream 3 and use it right away and we've achieved that so we have made some small changes of course, because when you do a new product, I mean, it's pointless if you're not going to iterate and do some improvements yeah. and whatnot. But, I mean, at the end of the day, when you take the device in your hand, the buttons are on the same place. So on the top row, you've got your go-to button, your online, your bookmark button. You've got your a numeric key patches below that. Below that is the sleep key. And then below is the rewind, play, and fast-forward button. So exact same placement on the, as on the stream, too. Uh, if you're looking for the power button... It's at the same place, top left edge. Uh, if you're looking for po- for the volume buttons, just below that, just like on the stream two, and then the record button for voice notes or bookmarks is on the right side. So uh, it is uh, physically, it's the exact same button placement, and in terms of the software, it is also super similar. So if you, you know, you're going to use your four and your six to go back and forward, you're going to use your pound key to confirm, you're going to use your star key to cancel, um, you're going to use the number one button to switch between bookshelves. So we've kept it the same. The only place in the software that's changed a little bit is the settings menu. So we, uh, the previous settings menu on the stream two uh, was a little bit clunky to use. So like, let's say for example, you wanted to go to Daisy online, you had to press seven, like eight or nine times. And then if you press it once too many times, you had to go back and do the mm-hmm. whole menu again. Now, if you press seven once, you're gonna get into your local settings. The local settings are um, whatever bookshelf you're on. So if you're on internet radio, you're going to get internet radio settings. If you're on podcast, you're going to get podcast settings. If you press seven a second time, then you're going to go into the global settings, which uh, 
is everything. So if you want to connect to Wi-Fi, connect to Bluetooth, you want to uh, change your looping options, whatever the case may be, this will be there. And then you can use 4 and 6 to navigate and then the pound key to drill down into the menu. The menu is also the same whether you're on the online or the offline bookshelf, which was a bit of a source of confusion for users on the stream too. So we've just made it the same on both, both sides of the device. Now, you alluded to something else in there, which is new, which is Bluetooth. Yeah, Bluetooth. So that's a, that's something that's new on the Stream 3. Uh, it was, Hallelujah, it was a Matthew. Yeah, Hallelujah. Sure. I have been screaming about this for so long. It's just there's so many great Bluetooth headsets, right, or speakers yeah. that you can connect to. I'm just yeah. thinking now I can connect this up to my Amazon Echo beside my bed. This is so yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of people like to use uh, headphones, like to use speakers to, for, for louder listening, uh, which brings me to a point. We've improved the speaker on the Stream 3, so the speaker is much improved over the Stream 2. It is it is louder and it sounds better. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not the same as having an external speaker, obviously, because yeah, yeah. you can only fit so much in a small device. So if you'd like to connect Bluetooth to a, uh, you know, a Bluetooth speaker, Absolutely possible. And then you can listen to your books while you're sitting on a couch comfortably and have the room full of sound from your book or music or whatever it is you're listening to. But yeah, Bluetooth was was most definitely one of the top features that users wanted us to add, and we are happy to do it. And can you add multiple Bluetooth devices? So could you have a speaker and, say, a pair of favorite headphones connected, and you, you can just choose between them, or do you have to unpair and, and repair? So you you can you can configure multiple, but you'll only be connected to one at once. Oh well, that's good, right? You'll say you have a, a list you can go to. You could say, okay, yeah. I put these on. I'll, I'll wear my headphones today. And because some, I, there's nothing worse than some of the devices when you have to unpair the whole thing and almost reset and do the whole Bluetooth yeah. reconnection again. So that's good. That's 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 brilliant. And what up to five devices, perhaps, or four or five devices? Uh, I don't know the number off the top of my head, honestly, but I, I would assume a couple of devices, at least four or five. Yeah. I mean, certainly for most people, it is yeah. going to be you know a pair of headphones and a speaker, and that's yeah. it. Let's be honest. That's um, correct. Okay, so right, very interesting. So, so lots of, and I guess a lot of internal changes as well. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the design because I had heard rumor that the buttons were slightly different. You were using a instead of the sort of plastic buttons, it was more rubberized. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, the buttons are both now rubbery, which is a great feeling the texture of the button when you feel them with your fingers and uh, we've also added some texture on the two four six and eight keys uh that little edges uh that will tell you better tell you where your fingers are positioned on top of on number five as usual we have two little dots so this helps a lot for completely blind users to position their fingers on the device and the keys are also slightly bigger which will help for people with fine motor skill issues well that's good right so and, and the buttons so what it has like a, a raised outline around the edge of the button? Yeah, exactly. So on, on the number two key, it's on the top of the key. On the number four, it's on the left edge. On the number six, it's on the right edge. And ah, eight on the bottom edge. See, right. Okay, that's that's great. Okay. And and that rubbery design, I mean, the, there's often that concern about the wear and tear on a device like that, you know, with, with those kind of buttons. So sometimes the, the rubbery button, you know, it doesn't have the same longevity as, as say, a plastic button might. I guess you've looked into that. Yeah, for sure. So we, we've done a lot of testing and everything. And, and we are, are I mean, obviously, we don't have results over like a 10 year period. But yeah. uh, we did put the device through some thermal testing, like hot and cold and, and so on and so forth. And the buttons resisted really well. We've also done some uh, drop testing because one of the things that people might notice is that there's no longer a case included in the in the box with the device. Okay. But we have done uh, military grade drop tests and we've actually even thrown one down the stairs at the office and it came out unscathed uh, obviously we don't recommend people you know do that <laughs> but it's going to happen right it is going to happen exactly. someone's going to do that accidentally so for a light fall for something that you know if you drop it from a three-story window obviously there might be an issue but yeah. i mean if it's in your on your leg and you're dropping on the floor there shouldn't be any issues and uh while there's no case included now because we used to have a little silicone case but honestly it was more for aesthetics than anything else mm. uh we do have a case that's going to be coming with executive in the united states that will be available worldwide as well for purchase uh that uh will be uh you know the typical executive case like really good quality leather uh, case uh, that should be available somewhere down perhaps a few weeks after launch. Do you ever get feedback from people saying, hey, do you know what? I'd love a custom case for my 
Victor Reader, you know, essentially in the way that people design, you know, cases for smartphones and all the rest of it. Do you ever get feedback like that? People saying, hey, I'd love a, maybe a nice colourful one, like a yellow case so I can, you know, see it more clearly in, in, in a space or whatever? So honestly, no, it's not the kind of like uh, having colored case and whatnot is not anything that I've I've ever had as a request, but that probably is explained by the fact that the majority of our users are very uh, are completely blind. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, we do have people who like the executive the executive case, like they really want something to put their device in. It makes them feel like the device is better protected. Although, as I said, it's not going to be that much more protected. But I mean, for some people, it's important to uh, to have. And also, it's not about colour sometimes. It's about physical holding the device, you know, making yeah. sure you've got a good grip of it as well. I mean, that silicon case you had for the second gen, that was, you know, really good for that. That's what I liked about it. So, you know, but it's interesting. I mean, I'm always intrigued to know what, what how people feed back on these things. Um, okay, so the design is, it sounds a little bit different. You know, it sounds like you've you've improved it. I love the fact the buttons are a bit bigger as well. I think that sounds mm-hmm. interesting. Um, let's talk about some of the other aspects of the, the actual external has it still got its 3.5 mil headphone jack and also the microphone jack as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on the Victor Reader Trek, which came out in 2017, uh, the team had made the decision to combine both ports into a single one. Mm. And uh, that was met with a lot of backlash from the community. And a lot of people were not happy that we decided to combine both ports because that uh, prevented the use of a stereo microphone. So for the Stream 3, which the project was started probably somewhere around the 2020, 2021, uh, we took that feedback into account and we kept both ports separate. They're uh, on the Stream 2, they were located on the top right corner. Now they're in the bottom left corner. So that that changement, uh, that uh, placement changed a little bit, but not a whole lot. And yeah, there's still two separate ports, uh, one for uh, microphone line-in and one for headphone. And what about internal storage? It was SD card storage on the on the previous gen, on the second gen. Uh, same yeah. here? No, now it's a flash memory, which is much more reliable, will fail way less often. So uh, it is the same uh, type of memory that we see on the Victor Reader Trek. It is uh, 16 gigs. Uh, so we have 16 gigs of memory on the, the Stream 3 versus 8 gigs on the Stream 2, and even 4 when the Stream 2 came, uh, stream two came out. Mm. Uh, the difference, though, with the Stream 3 is that the internal memory... So for Stream 2 users, you could download books and, and podcasts and all that, and it would go to the internal memory. And then you could export them to your SD card. But if you wanted to download a book or music through a computer, you absolutely needed an SD card to transfer that over to the stream. Now, with the Stream 3, we have 13 gigs of memory that is usable by the customer. So they can uh, transfer their books, their music, or anything in the internal memory of the stream if they, does, if they choose to. But we do still support SD cards. We still have an SD card. It's not a regular SD. It's not a micro. It's a regular SD card. And uh, those support up to one terabyte SD cards, uh, which is a lot bigger than the Stream 2, which was up to 32 gigs. And sometimes bigger cards worked, but never up to a terabyte. Uh, now on the Stream 3, you can put a one terabyte SD card and store a lot of books. That is amazing. And of course, it's not just books, is it? I mean, there's lots of things yeah. people do with their stream and different you know audio that they want to keep on there voice recordings exactly yeah. all that stuff that is absolutely incredible um i also heard it's usb-c now it's not micro usb anymore that's correct, that's correct. so uh the uh you know the more modern port is the usb-c plus there is some legislation coming up in uh, europe i think in 2024 sure is yeah <laughs> so causing nothing but trouble <laughs> <laughs> where, where, yeah, we'll have to use USB-C. But at, at the end of the day, I mean, USB-C obviously wasn't available when we made the Victor Reader Stream 2 back in 2013. Yeah. Uh, but now that it is, it is the easier. I mean, you can plug it in both ways. It's much easier to use. Way less wear and tear on the port. I mean, I'm, I myself am sighted, and I, I had to, last year I had to throw away a pair of headphones because the micro USB port broke down on it. Because at the end of the day, even for a sighted person, plugging it the right way. You know, sometimes I you don't look, you try to plug it. Oh, it's not the yep. right way, and then the port breaks down. Uh, on on a stream three with the USB C port, I mean, unless you really try, uh, the port should be really reliable. No, that's superb. And 
there was a time when, of course, you could have that adapter as well for the Victorina second gen, where you could have the micro USB to USB A, and that would allow you to plug in, say, a USB stick and actually import audio that way. Is that is that going to be an option with this new version? So no, unfortunately, the way because we're using MTP on on the um, the Stream Three, which is Media Transfer Protocol, to access the internal memory, what that means is that. On the hardware side of things, uh, the port cannot be used to read external sources. So, unfortunately, that's that is a no longer an available option. Okay, okay. Um, what about okay? Let's talk about the software then, because the software mm-hmm. inside the device. You say the settings have changed a little bit. Everything else, I'm guessing, feels the same. Um, yeah. First thing I'm thinking about: any new voices? So uh, we do have a new voice uh, coming for the U.S., which is called Lily, which is really high-quality voice. Uh, So our voice provider still is Acapella, which is a fairly well-known TTS provider. Um, And yeah, so we are implementing uh, Lily for now, which is a voice that requires more processing power, which is not something we could have done on the stream too. But that being said, we are looking in the future at higher-quality text-to-speech voices for all languages, including uh, UK. English, Australian English, French. So we are, as Acapella makes more voices available, we are looking to add those onto the Stream 3. Well, what is the hardware that's that this is running on, or the software this is running on? What's it based on? Is it... It's not, it's not Android, is it? It's not Linux, is it? So the software, uh, the software, in terms of the software, it is Linux. Uh, it is Linux. And, right, and interesting. That, I, that's interesting you bring that up because we had someone on uh, talking about the Blind Shell Classic uh, mobile phone the other day, and, and we were a bit confused between whether or not it was Linux or Android. In that case, it is Android, but it, maybe it was this that's confused them because it's actually the Victor Reader runs off Linux. That's very interesting. Uh, a yeah. very solid system. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some of the other things because, of course, um, we really cannot avoid the fact that, you know, Audible has made mm-hmm. a change which has had an impact on the device. Uh, where you can't authorize the device any longer in order to uh, get your Audible books uh, copied on to the Victor Reader. Is that right? So actually, I have a bit of an update on that. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, as of Monday of this week, uh, as of uh, January 30th, it appears that it works again. Oh, uh, wow. They've made some changes. Yeah, on the Stream 2 and on the Victor Reader track, I, I started getting reports from some customers who said, I am available. I am able to authorize, activate my uh, my stream now. So I had some of our internal testers try it, and, and I told them, make sure you use an SD card that's never been used before. For And, uh, and then, yeah, it worked. Uh, so thanks to the people at Audible, they apparently fixed it. Uh, and it didn't even require a software update for Audible Sync, which is phenomenal. Now, um, that being said, we have been talking with them for the past year. I've had meetings with them last summer, last uh, last fall, and uh, we they asked us to send them a Stream 3. So before anyone knew Stream 3 existed, we were talking with them, and we sent them a test unit for them to test out and see if it works with Audible. And what we found out this week is that on some support pages at Audible, especially I was sent one from France, uh, the Stream 3 is listed as being compatible, which, to be mm. honest, is news for me. I wasn't aware. They, they Unfortunately, the communication isn't great with Audible. We wish that they would engage us a little bit more. But now that they say that it is, we'll resume the work. We've done most of the work to get the Audible on the Stream 3. We'll resume the work to finish up the last and test. And and uh, if, if it really is compatible, then we should have it available sometime in the spring. Well, that is incredible. I, and, and it's also important to say this was affecting all the Victor Reader stream devices yes. that were, this wasn't unique to the third generation. This was across the board because Correct. essentially it was an audible authorization problem, right? They were not, yeah. they were not accepting new authorizations. If you had already authorized through Audible Sync, you would be able to transfer books fine. But it was the newer ones. But as you say, uh, the, the latest news on this is that as of this week, as of Monday of this week, that has now been uh, changed. Of course, I guess you'll be keen for people to let you know how that goes. But that is good news if that has been yeah, the case. Sure. And this is often the way now, isn't it? These things just get changed. It's, it's almost like someone ticks a box somewhere and just forgets about it. But for yeah. everyone else, it's like, wow, finally I can do this again. Yeah, exactly. And and we're really happy because at the end of the day, we, we want our users to be able to access Audible. It is a wonderful service. Yeah. And uh, and we even use it internally. Like I have a lot of my, you know, people at HumanWare who's been telling me, oh, I wish I could use, you know, Audible again. And yeah, 
Well, I I did it as well on mine because I honestly felt it was a nicer way to enjoy my audiobooks than sitting with a phone. You know, a phone, you're getting notifications all the time. Your battery's being impacted. If I need to use my phone for GPS or something else, then, you know, I have the problem of this book being, you know, uh, well, you know, if I'm listening to my book, that's going to take the battery, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be part of the problem. So actually just being able to to just disappear off and listen to my book in a nice, relaxed way without interruptions is brilliant. Um, speaking of content providers then, um, mm-hmm. I had also heard you're thinking of, or you have already uh, got an arrangement with another internet radio provider. Is that right? Because you have all, Utunes as the provider at the moment for internet radio. Is that changing? Is that staying the same? What's happening there? So Utunes is staying on the device. So we, we do still have a partnership with Utunes to have the internet radio. Um, in terms of another provider, uh, there are some things in the work. I can't talk about them here. Uh, but we are talking with some people to get another service on the device sometime in the spring. Okay. Uh, we will do some big announcements and we perhaps we'll talk again then once we're ready to announce. But there is something that's fairly exciting. Uh, our, our beta testers have been trying it for a few weeks now and they really love it. Um, mm, we had now you're teasing have, us now. <laughs> we had hoped to have <laughs> for the launch but unfortunately there were a few technical issues towards the end that we had to take it out of the final build uh but we will have something probably somewhere in april or may so let's um let's zoom out a little bit here because if you have the victor reader second gen as i do as as many people do uh will that continue to get updates like the ones that for example you're talking about will that get those updates or do you need to have the third gen to benefit from that no, so unfortunately for the Stream 2, uh, once we start selling the Stream 3, the Stream 2 will be at end of life. Discontinued, okay. Uh, so it will be discontinued. We will no longer sell it. However, just like with any humanware product you buy, after we sell the last unit, we keep supporting them for three years in terms of support, like if you need repairs, if you have questions, if you need some help with the device. So up until 2026, around... February or March of 2026, we will be offering repairs, uh, technical support, and all of that, but there won't be any new functionalities brought on. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I suppose in a way that's fair, right? You're buying a new device, but you're still supporting the old one. So if you want the yeah. new features, you got to buy the new device. Okay. Uh, and in terms of availability, um, it's not out yet, is it? So That's correct. So, so we're doing... Yeah, so we're doing a US-only launch at first, and the reason for that is uh, that we'll only have US English available as a voice, and we won't have any Daisy Online services available. Uh, so the first version, as we're talking right now, the teams are still working hard in the background to quash all the bugs, to polish up some features. So we will be doing a US-only launch with uh, Bookshare, with uh, NLS Bard, and NFB Newsline, which are the three services in the US that don't use Daisy Online. And then about a month later, so we're looking at probably towards the middle to end of March, we'll be able to integrate more languages, including French, Spanish, and some others, and we'll have Daisy Online available on the device, which will enable users from several countries around the world and including my native Canada mm. to have access to their library. And then as time moves on, we'll be adding more and more library support. One of the ones that might be very interesting to your uh, listeners is we are talking with RNIB right now to be able to integrate them. So RNIB does not use the Daisy Online protocol. They have their own protocol, just like Bookshare or like uh, NLS Bard in the United States. And uh, we have been working with them for the past few months to integrate them into the device. And that should be available, barring any major technical problems, that should be available before summer. Wow. Okay. So RNIB on there for UK listeners and for our Canadian listeners, access to the SELA library as well. That, yeah, that'll come with the Daisy Online support, which should be somewhere around March or April. And then uh, one other library that we've, we've been working on is uh, EOL, which is in France. Uh, so we've been working with them as well to integrate them into the stream. And in terms of podcasts and, and that kind of content, I mean, I'm guessing this is me treading dangerously close to the area we're not allowed to talk about. But, you know, basically, are there ongoing discussions about the the, the type of content you have on the device? And, And with this new device, essentially newer hardware in there, does it give you more scope? 
So, so in terms of the podcasts, uh, the fact that we're using a more modern platform with a better CPU, better memory, allows us to use, uh, we'll be using a different library uh, that's called FFmpeg that'll allow us to decode a lot more audio streams. So there are a lot of uh, podcasts that currently perhaps don't work on the stream too because they're using too modern of a codec uh, that we will now be able to support on on to the stream three. Um, on top of that, and I'm going to add because I am sure a lot of your viewers will be uh, listeners, I should say, will be uh, will be wondering is that the BBC has announced that they are changing their streaming technologies mm. uh, in 2023. Uh, I think the change is supposed to be around Jan- around June. Uh, we've been in talking with them. I had a meeting with them before the holidays, uh, and I've had some email exchanges with them in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, um, unfortunately, the new platform that they are going to is not supported on the stream two, uh, but it will be. We will be able to come up with a solution for the stream three. So we are working with them to be able to have uh, the BBC still on to the stream three. Yeah, that's that's interesting because because the BBC is becoming. I mean, it is a worldwide institution it's as well. So for sure, for the sure, content I mean, is worldwide, right? So you know, in, yeah. in different parts of the world, people will want to listen to to radio, podcast, download content, all of that stuff. I mean, the BBC as a whole, like the, both the radio, TV. I mean, I've seen Sherlock, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Canada. So, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. And what about Canada? So the release date, I mean, you're obviously going for that US launch first. What yeah. about Canada? What about the UK? When does it appear there? So it would be one month later. So currently we're looking at uh, somewhere the 13th, the 20th, or the 27th of February for the US launch. And then, uh, and then we're pretty much, you know, building the plane as we fly it as it stands so we are still as i said finishing up you know bugs and so on so as soon as i have a firm release date we'll open up pre-orders for the u.s and then the plan is four weeks later so if we launch it on the 20th of february then the 20th of march we'll be able to launch worldwide so that means canada uk australia europe and and so on now, what about pricing, Matthew? How much are we likely to pay for this device? So, uh, in terms of the pricing, it is going to be £420 uh, retail price in the UK. It is 550 US in the United States and 595 Canadian in Canada. Why are you doing it in, in this way? So, you've got the Victor Reader Stream 3rd Generation, which, of course, as a device on its own, makes total sense. I, I totally mm-hmm. understand why you're... you're pushing that and continuing that because it's clearly popular. It, it clearly yeah. works for many, many people. But then you have the Stellar Trek in your lineup and, and it doesn't have all the features of internet radio and note-taking and all those things you can do with the Victor Reader stream. Previously, mm-hmm. of course, we had the Victor Reader Trek. Why not essentially with the technology you have almost give that alternative as a plus option to say, hey, you could have all the features of stuff you love in the stream, but you can also have the, the Trek added in essentially in the same device. So a Victor Reader, a Victor Reader Trek Two, I think, is what I'm trying to say. You know, why why do that as opposed to the Stellar Trek and the Victor Reader Stream Third Generation as the current offering? So the Victor Reader Trek is still available, so we're not discontinuing it. So people will still be able to buy it after the release of the Stream Two, uh, the Stream Three. But um, we have found that a lot of people there's two types of people there's people who like to have all-in-one tools so like the swiss army knife type of thing approach where they love having gps and book reading and podcasts all in the same device and then there are people who prefer having both separate they, they'd rather have one tool to read their books and do their, their entertainment and one separate tool to do their navigation so that's where the stellar so when we did the vr trek a lot of people liked it but a few people said ah, you know what i wished you'd done like a simp- a, a dedicated gps device so that's why we did the stellar trek uh, which is a dedicated a gps device uh but that's not to say that there's not a victor reader trek 2 in the future uh we haven't we haven't swept that aside i mean the victor reader trek has been a successful device for humanware and uh there is a chance that we might uh you know a couple of years down the line come up with a victor reader trek 2 okay so it's not it's not that that was one uh, you know one time thing that it may come back in another form or even the same form in the future mm-hmm. Yeah, really, no decision's been made on that front, but uh, we're waiting to see how the Victory... So once, now that we've released the Star Trek, and now that we're... Because a lot of people were buying the Victory Trek just for the Bluetooth feature. Um, so once we've released the Stream 3, we'll see what the Victory Trek sales look like. And I mean, if, if it's warranted, if it keeps 
being good sales and whatnot, then yeah, I don't see why we, we uh, wouldn't come up with a new one in the future. Really interesting. I am so glad you came on to tell us all about it. You've told us a lot today. I really appreciate you coming on, Matthew. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, you do great work at Humanware, no doubt at all. Great Canadian company. And, you know, great to hear about the new Victor Reader stream third generation. I look forward to appearing worldwide and uh, come back soon and tell us about all the new exciting stuff you've got planned. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me on. And uh, you have my contact information anytime you'd like to talk to me. If you'd like to perhaps, you know, a little bit later this year, talk about the Stellar Trek or some other, you know, products at Humanware. We're three products manager. I, I, I'm the one who take care of the Victor Reader and the Stellar Trek. But we also have Andrew who takes care of our Braille products. And we have Roger who takes care of our Low Vision products. So if you're ever interested uh, in talking with them, uh, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch. We will take that invite and we will uh, run with it. Uh, and uh, yes, you're always welcome on here. Thank you so much, Matthew. All right. Thank you, Stephen. So there you go. That's all the information. So what do you think? Is that a product you want to buy? I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can email us, as always, feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can call us on one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. It's been a packed show today, hasn't it? Lots to talk about, lots of updates, lots of things going on. Thank you so much for your feedback. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, back tomorrow with a very special episode, I feel. Uh, we are going to break down the HomePod for you. Lots of people talking about the sound quality on the reviews and talking about the the wonderful design and all that stuff. But we are going to dig into what it can actually do as a smart speaker. Listener Greg Hayes joins me, and we're going to spend the hour going through what he's found uh, he can do with the HomePod and the smarts that are in it. And uh, according to him, at least, he says it's the smart speaker and it's the only smart speaker you need. So will we all leave thinking that way? (laughs) We'll find out tomorrow together on Double Tap. Join us for that. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.